You're listening to Unscripted, the film show. You can't handle the truth. I'm walking here. I'm walking here. Here's Johnny. You're going to need a bigger boat. I'll have what she's having. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Is it the most annoying sound in the world? Um, I'd, I'd, I'd say so. Yeah. I'd say so, yeah. yeah it's a, Fairly annoying. Yeah. Fairly annoying. Pisses me off. <laughs> well, okay then. We started on a, well, I'm glad we play it at the start of every show. Not awkward at all. You are, of course, listening to Unscripted, the film show with Lewis and Rachel Cecilia is off um, doing some work things, but we've had a pretty exciting week Um so it'll be exciting to, to have a chat about, that's for sure. Gosh, yes, it's uh, it, it's been an exciting week. Uh, I've got a, I've got a feeling that the uh, you know the world just feels like just a little bit not not heaps but a little bit better today. The, the, the world it feels like a, a little a little weight has been lifted off the world's shoulders. A little slightly, a little orange weight. Yeah, yeah. So uh, so now the uh, the Americans uh, uh, now um, uh, have 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 an adult in charge again, which is very nice. It is nice to have an yeah. adult in charge. And I think I think if the the last four years has, has taught us anything is uh, don't vote in a toddler as your president. <laughs> Because uh, it's really not going to work out well for you. And they have tantrums. It's just mm. awkward. It is. It is. Mm. So uh, just to, um, you know, put things into perspective, uh, uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, uh, they've been uh, inaugurated. They're now the, the president, vice president of the United States. The United States, for the very first time, has got a female vice president, uh, also a, you know, a a black vice president and an Asian vice president. Uh, she's, she's really like you know covering the the, she's the, covering the gamut all the bases. Yeah. She is rather yes, yeah. Almost all the bases. Almost she just all needs bases. to come out. Yes. And then she's covered everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so they, they they've now got control of uh, the, the the White House Twitter, which I'm not sure if uh, if the the former person I can't remember his name um, uh, used to use the White House tr- Twitter. I think he used his own uh, Twitter more than anything. I Believe he used his own. Mm, mm. Yes. Um, um, but uh, but hmm. jo- but Joe Biden he's, he put out a, a tweet there, and just to give you like a you know an idea of how things have changed, uh, his tweet was: "There's no time to waste when it comes to tackling the crisis we face. That's why today I'm headed to the Oval Office to get right to work delivering bold action and immediate relief for American families." Hmm. So the first sentence involved a a, a rhyme almost. So well done. That's not what you were referring to, though. I'm sure. No, no. I'm just saying, like, you know, it's it's nice. Seems to, adult. Yeah, it seems adult. Nothing was in capitals. Oh, yeah. That's good. It's, was anything spelt? Uh, misspelt. Doesn't look like it to no, me. That, that's, no, that's that's well done. Yeah. Uh, yep. But again, he didn't have to type the word coffee. So, yeah. <laughs> Kofifi, yes. Kofifi. Uh, but uh, uh, Kamala Harris, uh, she was actually more succinct, ready to serve. Mm. There you go. That was a. Uh, it was just. Wasting no time. Very, very no. quick one. I'm, I'm very, and I'm very happy that, uh, like, you know, there was no violence in America today or anything like that. Everything went off, you know, properly without a hitch. Uh, you know, there was, I think, one of the states there was a, a, a person there that was protesting. Just the one. Just one by themselves. <laughs> just the one guy. Just he was there expecting more people to turn up. They didn't. <laughs> <laughs> called Roger. Where did Roger yeah. go? I was expecting more people. So yeah, so that, that was that was really good. So um, yeah, just uh, now we can just hopefully forget the last four years, mm. and, and and America can become one of those uh, places in the world which are 
aren't crap. <laughs> scary to want to visit. Yeah. Uh, yes, it is definitely the end of an era. Mm. Era, that is, not era, era. Era, era, very much so, the end of an era. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's that's something that's been going on this week. Mm. Also this week we uh, managed to go and see a uh, short film by the name of Evie by our previous host, Alex von Hoffman. And Alex was going to actually be on the show tonight, but unfortunately... He's too popular. Yeah, he's got uh, he's got lots of people you had to catch up with. Well, actually what happened was he would have had a lot of time uh, in in. Perth Earth. But when they got here, that was when uh, the East Coast started to blow up with COVID again. And so anyone from Melbourne and, and Sydney have to like isolate and quarantine themselves. Mm. So they, uh, so Alex and his family had to quarantine for uh, the, the 14 days. Mm. And so if you're only here for three weeks and 14 days have been taken up in quarantine, uh, then you got to, you know, Crab everything else into those yeah. seven days. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we got to see the short film that's been in the making for three years um, at the lovely Millennium Cinemas, which I've not been to for a while. But they've got some hella sweet chairs in there now. Very comfy. Mm. Um, it's been, yeah, quite a while since I've been there, but it looks all lovely and refurbished with comfy couches mm. or, or not couches, um Recliners. 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 Oh, yeah. So very comfy. So um, the reason it took uh, three years to produce was because they had visual effects to to perfect um, because Evie involves some uh, prehistoric animals mm-hmm. um, and they're difficult uh, to do, really. Yes. And um, But that's all right. Alex just totally learned how to do visual effects. <sighs> it's no problem. So no, no, no biggie for him. He no just biggie. Went, I can do, you know, dinosaurs like that are the quality of Jurassic World. That's not a problem. I Even better, like, yeah. you know. Well, hang on, Jurassic World. I don't know. Mm. On par. On par. That's what I'm saying. On par. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but uh, it, it was yeah, it was amazing to see the the short like because uh, you know generally speaking when you see Australian films it's kind of you know all Australiana and it's uh, mm-hmm. you know the outback and and all that kind of thing. But when you throw a dinosaur in there, it really changes the equation a bit. Yeah. Um, and the uh, the thing I liked about the story so it's only like I said twenty minutes short. <coughs> but the thing I like about it is. They never explain why there is dinosaurs there. Yeah, it just happens there is dinosaurs there, and I, I'm don't ass- have time for a yeah. setup in a short film. Yeah, I'm assuming it's it's a kind of a situation where some scientist has decided to make dinosaurs, and then things go awry, and mm. then there's now dinosaurs in the outback. Yeah, it's um, like Mad Max meets Jurassic Park yeah. in the outback. Yeah, yeah, because you got uh, you do do run into some uh, some you know for lack of better term rednecks uh, mm. who seem to be like going around trying to scavenge bits and pieces from other other people, um, and uh, yeah, and then you you run into a dinosaur and a, a, a girl called Evie trying to look after a dad, and it's a, in twenty minutes it's a, one of the most amazing things I have seen in yeah. the last couple of years. Yeah. Uh, great sound design as well. Mm-hmm. That was one of the things that stuck out to me. Like there was a lot of great things, but um, there's so much that goes into making a film, and to be to make a short film, um, it's it's such an achievement. There's so much hard work that goes into it when there's not a lot of money, um, and it's just amazing what came out. So I'm super impressed. Um, like I always knew Alex was good, but I was like completely blown away. So 
yeah, it was very cool. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I remember seeing his, one of his earlier films, um, which was a guy in the middle of the ocean, and, and he shot that just around the corner here in, in Coogee. Yeah. Just off a jetty, but he made it look like the person was in the middle of the ocean. Yeah. So, yeah, an incredibly talented uh, director. Um, and he also did another short film as well that we saw was, uh, called Home, mm. um, and that was uh, based around the bushfires that happened in Victoria last year. And it was a lot of uh, shots. I think he, he must have been using a drone to take all these these shots. Mm. Um, and he was uh, doing a voiceover over the top of it to like um, uh, juxtapose with the the hor- horrific visuals that you're seeing. Uh, and that that again, that was a you know, fantastic short mm. film. That, he did that one about three weeks or something. Like yeah, that. he was inspired by the people that he met in that area mm. and the things that they talked about being the most memorable things about their home and it is those simple things um, that you think about. Um, so, it, yeah, it was wonderful and very touching. Um, I'm just trying to think um, if he's got a website. Um, does he have his own website? I know that Evie uh, is on Not To Watch but information on Evie can be found on Facebook. So if they do end up um, putting it into festivals and everything, that's where you'll be able to find a bit more information and it's Evie spelt E-V-I-E, uh, all in capitals um, on the Facebook page. Um, and I'm I'm just trying to do some quick research to see if Alex has his own um, website where you can find out a bit more about his work. But um, it's going to be very exciting um, when he completely blows off the screen and we know exactly who he is. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, he's got a Wikipedia. Oh, no, it's IMDb. Yeah. <laughs> I got all excited. I'm like, yeah, he's totes famous. Um, I think he's got a, um, a page on Vimeo, so you can have a look at that. Um, just type in Alex Von Hoffman and you will be able to find some information about him. So, yeah, very cool. Look at him with his own IMDb. It's like the most exciting thing ever. <laughs> but anyway, moving on. Uh, well done, Alex. That was very was impressive. So impressive. Also, uh, um, uh, one of one of my comedy mates, uh, Wurzel, was also in the film. And uh, and so that was really cool to to uh, send him a message saying that I, I saw him in a movie. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was pretty, pretty sweet. <laughs> Um, I, I'm getting distracted now. I'm like, I want to go onto IMDb and look at Alex's stuff, even though I know some of it. There he is. Oh, my God, look at it. So <laughs> I'm fanning out about a friend. Um, anyway, moving along. Um, so where do we want to move along to? Well, I think um, uh, the movie-wise there hasn't been a lot of films that have come out recently, although you are going to talk about The Dry with I the am. Eric Banner film. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think the biggest thing that's been kind of released uh, in the last week was Wonder Vision, uh, which is the new the, – the, well, the first Marvel Cinematic Universe thing – that has come out since Spider-Man Homecoming in 2019 because obviously we've had everything else held back because they don't want to release it into uh, cinemas with no one watching it. Mm. Um, so this is the first uh, bit of you know Marvel stuff since, as I said, uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, sorry, Spider-Man Far From Home uh, and uh, before that was Endgame. So it's been a very long time since mm. we've actually had any 
spending time with the Marvel characters. Uh, so this is a, a very welcome uh, addition to Disney Plus because it gives us you know something to hold on to. New stuff, and I can't tell you how excited I was when the opening like Marvel thing happens and the music is yeah. there and it's all like flickering comics. I'm like, oh, you can't wipe the smile off my face. I was so excited. Yeah, and it yeah. really it it was. I was not knowing what to expect expect at all because the trailers don't give too much away um but i had a conversation with you about uh, how wanda has in the past and in the comic books kind of um created her own realities mm-hmm. um and so that or actually ga- changed reality or cha- yeah. yeah so that gave me a little bit of a key mm-hmm. you still like only two episodes in so you don't really know much at all but it gave me a little bit more of an insight to understand what might be happening instead of you know, if you're walking in blind, I wonder whether people will be just completely confused because mm, mm. I think that was some of the feedback was like, what, I don't get it. It's like, well, you're, you've, you're only two episodes in for starters mm. and they're relatively short episodes um, and I did watch the entire credits just in <laughs> case. Did you do that as well? Yep. Yeah, mm. okay. Glad it wasn't just me. And I'm like, okay, so it's just the credits in different languages. But that's okay. It's like five minutes of different credits and I still watched them all. I, I yeah, found it really uh, just it's, – it's a really interesting concept because mm. we're so used to like seeing the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We know what that is and it's all, all very – straightforward generally speaking uh but this show is is completely uh like just the you go, what's going on you're just questioning why are we in this black and white sitcom reality uh and the uh, the thing you got to remember and if you haven't if you're not up on uh scarlet witch and vision story uh lovers yeah but but if you if you if you want to get a an idea if you if you jump into the show and going what's going on here, uh, I'd recommend going back uh, to Disney Plus because they've got the uh, the Marvel Legends series where it gives you a recap of uh, the Scarlet Witch and the Vision, and so you can That's go good. go back and go oh so this is where they came from and this is you know uh, everything up to date this is where where we got to because uh, they uh, start both of them were introduced in uh, Avengers Age of Ultron. And in that point, um, the Scarlet Witch was actually a, a, a bad guy because uh, Baron von Strucker had been uh, using the Loki Pokey stick, uh, which was uh, an Infinity Stone, to manipulate uh, Wanda and her brother Pietro and give them the powers. Or did he? Because they could also be mutants. But they couldn't call them mutants at the time because they didn't own Fox. But they do own Fox now. Mm. So I'd say chances are at some point during WandaVision we might find out that Wanda's actually a mutant. Well, it makes sense. Yeah, so. yeah. Uh, but they uh, – so that, that was where Wanda was introduced and Vision was introduced in that same movie because uh, Ultron was trying to make himself the ultimate body and that was going to be what Vision becomes. But then uh, Tony Stark put the consciousness of his uh, operating system, uh, Jarvis, into Vision and then he became that character, played by Paul Bettany. Because mm. uh, Bettany was playing the Jarvis voice and then all of a sudden he's playing a physical character and you couldn't cast anyone better 
for vision. Like just he's got the right body shape for it. Uh, he can pull off that robotic kind of you know uh, character, but he's also got that uh, that heart and soul to him, which is kind of interesting considering he's kind of like a, a soulless character because mm. he's not human, but he has got a lot of soul to him. Uh, and then in subsequent films, you could see the relationship blossoming between uh, Wonder and Vision, and then like coming to the end of uh, Endgame, where Vision uh, sorry, coming to the end of Infinity War, where Vision dies not once but twice. The first time at Wanda's hand because she has no other choice, and then he's brought back to life by Thanos, and then Thanos rips out the uh, the stone out of his forehead, and uh, which is I think it's a mind stone, mm. and and really really kills him. Uh, so that makes you go, well, um, how can Vision be alive in this TV show? And so that brings in has Wanda done something that's you know manipulated reality to to cause this reality where Vision is still alive? It's her is it all in perfect her head? reality. Is it is it all in her head? Uh, has somebody else put her in this place? Uh, so there's all these these questions. Mm. Um, so it's a it's a brilliant premise for a, a a TV show, and it shows that the people behind it have a real understanding of the character mm. and what the character has done in the comics and is capable of doing. And it, it's it's amazing because in the in the first episode, first and second episode, there's these adverts mm. um, in the uh, the episodes, and if you're watching closely, you'll see that the adverts are actually relating to trauma that Wanda has suffered in her life. Oh, I didn't know that. I was just like, oh, the first one is a toaster by Stark and the second one was something um, and it had the Hail Hydra thing on it. I just noticed them. I didn't realise they were related to... Oh, deep dive. Yeah. I've got to go back. Well, if you if you with the Stark one, you remember in the first in when they introduced Wanda and Pietro, they were talking about uh, there was when they were in their their home in Sokovia, a bomb came through uh, and killed their parents, and it was like just uh, see that unexploded, and they saw on the side of it was Stark mm. on the side of it. So there's a real connection with the name Stark and trauma with, with right. Wanda, and then of course Baron von Strucker was the guy that you know manipulated them and uh, uh, you know brought out their powers and so again there's a, that traumatic experience associated with that person as well so um yeah it's a it's uh, very here i was just thinking they were like you know little easter eggs mm, mm. Mm, of which there are many i believe oh, you've you yeah. posted a link on your dis down under page which i have yet to look at but um it was really funny as well and of course you've got um other than, you know, Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany, you've also got Catherine Hahn, who I freaking love. She's hilarious and she plays like the nosy neighbour. Mm, mm. She's she's just wonderful and, yeah, it's a, it's got a really lovely rounded out cast, some of who we haven't met yet but there is a very familiar um, face in there and name but uh, I'll, I'm yet to see who, how she comes into it. Yes, so. there's a there's a, a very uh, uh, familiar face and name uh, from a f- previous Marvel uh, movie or a couple of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, there's also uh, a character in there that you've you've already met, uh, and her name is uh, Monica Rambo, uh, Rambo uh, and she is the daughter of the best friend of Captain Marvel in the Captain Marvel film. Oh yes, she's okay. A, she's a little girl who gets a jacket. Yeah, yeah. Oh, 
Yeah. Intriguing. And in the comics, she actually becomes Captain Marvel in her own right before uh, Carol Danvers does. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, That's a lot of information that you have in your head there. There is. And uh, there's also there's a really interesting actor who is cast in this, who, again, we haven't seen yet. And uh, he plays a, a character in the Fox uh, X-Men films and he hasn't appeared in this uh, this yet, but uh, it's, it's going to be interesting when that does happen. I'm intrigued to find out who that would be. Mm, we might, mm. You might have to tell me off air. But, um, yeah, if, if you haven't gotten into it, get into it. And if you want to wait until they're all up on Disney, do that too and then you can binge it because I must admit when the second episode finished I was like, oh, darn, I should have waited. Yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> so I, binge I, think, them all. I think the third episode because... Kat and I watched the uh, the first episode and then we uh, first and second one and then the next day we watched it again, uh, and I think it's going to be one of those things where you got to go back and watch it several times to pick up the things you missed. Yeah. Um, but it's great. I mean, the um, the first episode is largely based on uh, the Dick Van Dyke show uh, from long, long time ago. See, I thought it was based a little bit on Bewitched because, you know, he's got a job that you can't really figure out exactly what it is. You know, his boss comes in and and she's, like, hiding her powers from everyone. It, it is based on, like, a Bewitched, I Dream of Genie, all that as well. Yeah. Uh, but it's got the, the the main, like, basis of it was the uh, the Dick Van Dyke show and they actually brought him on as a consultant oh. um, to get the feel right and everything like that. Yeah. Uh, but it was – and I think if you look at the, the design of the house and the, the one that Dick Van Dyke had, it's very similar kind, oh, of, okay. kind of house. Um, but, yeah, and, but the Paul Bettany uh, is sensational because, you know, he has done a lot of comic – uh, comedic kind of things before uh, and he reminds me a bit of the character he played in The Knight's Tale. Uh, did you remember Knight's no, Tale? No, I Heath haven't, Heath? I've you haven't never seen, seen that. that. Oh, the he, Heath Ledger movie? Yeah, yeah, he is brilliant in that. He's like um, this kind of uh, a gambler who loses everything and then uh, when, when he, he meets up with uh, Heath Ledger, uh, he becomes like the... the uh, Sounding board, the, the the guy who would spruik for him, right? Uh, and and yeah, he's he's absolutely brilliant. So if you haven't seen A Knight's Tale, then you know, you want to see some awesome early Paul Bettany. I would definitely recommend checking that out. Oh, there you go. Um, and Elizabeth Olsen is just fantastic as always. They they do have really good comic timing. The, and I must got, say the chemistry between the two actors is brilliant. Yeah. Uh, and but the interesting thing is when you if you go back and watch the Marvel Legends with Elizabeth Olsen, when she originally started playing uh, Wanda. She had an accent and over the course of the movies, the accent has just gone away. <laughs> well, that's good because it wasn't the best accent, yeah. if we're honest. Um, yeah, it was just vaguely Eastern European. Mm, mm. You're listening to Unscripted, the film show. You are indeed listening to uh, Unscripted with Lewis and Rachel here and uh, yesterday I I took myself to the movies because um, that's what we do here. Mm-hmm. Um just on the odd occasion, um, and I went and saw The Dry, which is an Australian film which has been out for a couple of weeks now, but I hadn't had the opportunity to, to see it until um, yesterday. So it stars Eric Banner as Aaron Falk, who is a federal police officer who um, returns to his his drought-stricken hometown after uh, he's basically home to attend the funeral of his um, long-time best friend and his family. So it, it, the initial story is that his his friend um, uh, Luke has 
basically committed f- familiarcide, has killed his his wife and his son and then himself. Um, but his parents don't think that that's the truth um, and uh, the local policeman sort of has wrapped things up really quickly. Um, but, um, yeah, Eric, Aaron Falk, Eric Banner goes in there and he starts to dig things up and wonders whether that's the, the true story or not. Um, but it also, so it features that story, but it's also going back and forth in time um, because one of the reasons that Aaron left um, the town, he was basically run out of town because uh, one of his young friends when he was a teenager died and the town got the idea that he was responsible. You know, when the film plays out, you can see why those things have happened. Um, but it's kind of like this this um, dread in the background and this suspicion in the background and you're trying to figure out exactly what's happened in the past as well as what's happened in the current mm-hmm. future. Um, or the present. Um, it, it's based on a a novel, a debut novel of um, uh, by Jane Harper. So I believe the book only came out a couple of years ago, and it's said that it's sort of almost written, almost like it had the idea of becoming in becoming a film. Like even the flashbacks where they go back in time are all written in italics. So it's almost like this is the bit in the movie that you go back in time. Um, and it it's really translated very, very well to film. I've not read the book myself, um, but it's – I love a good mystery and – this definitely is that and it's got the you've you've got some fantastic actors in it as well um Genevieve O'Reilly's in there Kerr O'Donnell Sam um call it uh Bruce Spence which who if you saw his face you'd be very familiar with who he is um Matt Nable uh, and then you've got uh John Paulson in it as well uh Jeremy Lindsay Taylor a lot of these names might not be familiar to you but if you see their faces um, you will immediately identify them if you have seen a bit of Australian cinema like we have. Um, you've also got a lady called Bebe uh, Bettercourt, I think that's how you pronounce her name and she plays um, Ellie Deacon. This is the the friend from Aaron Falk's past who has died in under mysterious circumstances and she's brilliant as, as Ellie Deacon. So um, it's such a good film uh, and I don't want to give anything away because part of the the beauty of this film really is watching it unfold in front of you and trying to figure out if things are red herrings or if, you know, trying to work it out um, as the movie goes mm-hmm. along. I really do believe there should be right before the movie starts just a community announcement that says nobody wants to hear your theories you're at a cinema, shut up. Oh, you had some talky-talky people in your I cinema. had some talky-talky people. Oh. I looked over at them quite often. They were in my row. And then I did the not-so-subtle shh and then stop talking. <laughs> but, you know, I don't know, maybe they just didn't hear me didn't or they al- didn't care. You didn't allow to shut the F up, no? Oh, <laughs> I didn't because they were older people. Oh. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, that was upsetting and I mostly ignored it till towards the end where I was really getting into it like almost wanting to sit on the edge of my seat mm. and it kind of kept bringing me out of it. So, 
yeah, I think cinemas need that right before it starts. Nobody wants to hear your theories. Please be quiet. Because yeah. you mostly don't have people with their phones on anymore. They've gotten used to that. Mm-hmm. But people just go in there and they want to have a chat like it's at home, watching it on TV. It's not. The whole reason we go to the cinemas is to enjoy it in peace and quiet and, you know... Anyway, other than that... Were there many people in the, in the screening with you? There were one, two, three, four, five, six other people and me. Right, okay. So, yeah, I did think about, you know, how cinemas are cinemas in Perth are getting along with, with people coming back into the cinemas. Um, there were certainly a lot of people at the cinemas last week when I went because I went to see Promising Young mm, Woman. Mm. There weren't heaps in my cinema, but it was full of people um, buying tickets and stuff. So um, if you have the opportunity and you feel comfortable to do so, to go into a cinema, it is really the, I think, the best way to experience film. And you really do get the opportunity to, like you don't look at your phone, you don't get distracted Mm. unless someone's talking. Um, (laughs) And you just, you're able to really get involved in the film instead of like just going, I'm just going to check Facebook. Yeah. A movie has to be pretty good at home for me to not look at my phone because it's always there. The distraction is always there. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to give it um, uh, four and a half cans of gasoline. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting. You will have to see it to understand what yeah. that means. Um, but, yes, other than film, Fringe is on. Yes, Fringe is on at the moment. And do you know what the, the best thing you can you can do is you can go to the uh, aforementioned phone that we, we, we talked about before. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can download the uh, Fringe World Festival 2021 app. Well, I might uh, do that now. Uh, and you can go there and you can see uh, the, the kind of shows that are on there. Now, one of the good things about the app is is that when you buy uh, tickets to go and see shows, uh, they, they turn up in your app like, like this. And then uh, when you're going to go and see the show, you're like, click on the app and then your ticket comes up. So you you don't even need to like get printed tickets or anything like that anymore, which is great. Fringe World Festival. Is that the one? Yes. Look at me. Get. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much, sir, for that. um... That's okay. Now with the the searching uh, function on it, you can go, I want to go to uh, Fringe and like you could go at any time, anywhere for any genre or you can actually like, you know, click on that and you can like... Narrow the search. So just say you're going, I feel fringy today. I want to go and see a show today. And you go, okay, today I want to go and see a show. Uh, And then if you say like anywhere, where do you want to go and see it? And they're going, well, I want to go and see a show today in Northbridge. So I'm going to go to Northbridge. And I'm going to go with any genre. And let's see what shows come up. Let's see what what, what shows we get there. So uh, if you wanted to uh, today go see uh, A Boy Wanted To, Uh, I don't know what it's about but it's a show you can go and see. Uh, you can go see a circus sensation. There's the adult scavenger hunt. There's Amos Gill, the sheeple's champion. There's an Aussie and African and Englishman walking to a bar. There's Andrew Silverwood T, uh, Bernie Dieter in concert. I actually saw Bernie Dieter uh, doing a show at uh, Crown uh, and it was like a, a circusy kind of cabaret, oh, yeah. kind of burlesque kind of show. Oh, that's always fun. Yeah, it was really good. Uh, the Best of Africa live stand-up comedy, uh, The Best of Edinburgh, The Best of the best comedy so there's lots of lots of stuff you can go and see so you can just like you know uh do a a thing like that and there's actually um 
if you go to, uh, I, th- I think, I think the containers are uh, near uh, Yagen Square. There's these two things like there's coma and there's flight, and they're, they're, they're kind of these immersive experiences where you go in there uh, and you put on these uh, headphones and. Uh, you go through a uh, like an immersive experience, which sounds really cool. So yeah, I'd love to love to check that out. Um, but I uh, went and saw a, a show last night, uh, which is called uh, Star Gazers. Uh, if I can bring up the the details, because uh, I want to give this one uh, a plug because it was uh, it was really um, uh, it's called Spectacle Presents Stargazed. Um, and it was a like a cabaret burlesque show. Uh, they were using the um, uh, the, the you know, star signs, Capricorn, Cancer, oh, yep. Aquarius, uh, th- those kind of things, uh, as uh, is it, I don't know uh, as a like reason for the different performances. But they had three different uh, segments, and all the performers were LGBTQI performers. Um, and it was it was really good, so polished. Like I've seen a lot of burlesque uh, over the last few fringes, mm. and a lot of them are kind of very samey. It's kind of even though the music's or different, almost amateurish, different. bit amateurish. I yeah. did see one like that last year, mm. although that was it was very very funny. Mm. But this was so slick, so polished, mm. um, and the it was also entertaining and funny, and it just had everything you wanted. And the audience was so into it as well. Like mm. it just and the the venue um, that we saw it in was it was uh, uh, Lyric Lane in Maylands uh, was where we went to to go and see. I don't know if all the performances are there or if they're. I don't, Apparently all the performances are there. Um, so it's uh, the live music basement, uh, at the which is underneath Lyric Lane. And the restaurant upstairs is nice and the food was quite affordable. Uh, but then you go downstairs to the basement, they've got a bar down there as well. The mm-hmm. bartender was awesome, the most attentive bartender ever. Like I ordered a, a ginger beer and he was like, would you like some lime with that to cut through the sugar? I was like... Oof, that's very specific. Yes, yes, I would. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, it was it was great. I mean, um, it took a bit of time to get, get stuff done, but it was well worth it. Uh, but yeah, so I would highly recommend if you want to go and check this out that uh, you should go and do that. It's a uh, eight to ten p.m. Uh, and there's, there's shows like uh, uh, tonight. Well, the shows on sorry on the twenty seventh, uh, on the third, and the tenth. So they must just be on Wednesday nights. Mm. So yeah, so. Uh, Definitely, I would recommend uh, checking out um, uh, Spectacles Stargaze and, uh, yeah, really, really, really good. I haven't seen much other stuff yet because um, all my, my shows seem to be a bit spaced out. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the, I think um, we are at such a privileged position here in WA to be able to go to the cinema, to be able to go out and see live performances. Yeah. Uh, and it would be a tragedy not to take advantage of that fact. And to support all those artists who have missed out on almost a full year of, um, you know, income. Yeah. Because unfortunately they they have been affected quite greatly by by the fact that COVID really did restrict um, performances. So if if you can afford to go, that that's a great way of um, 
you know, supporting local and supporting those artists. Um, I'm, I think I might be interested in seeing a Dolly Parton spectacular, uh, which is happening at Connections Nightclub towards the end of the month. Um, that looks pretty good. I, I love a bit of cabaret, mm. let's be honest. Uh, it's just trying to pick the one that, you know, or couple that I want to go to. That's that's the problem is there's there's so many, so much to choose from. So being able to type in, you know, what day you're available is really great because it just means that, you know, you don't have to look at something, get excited and then look that look at the dates and realise that you're not available. Mm. So that's that's a great way of doing it. Um, while um, – so Fringe goes until – is it the mid-February? Mid-February, yeah. Yeah. Um, also happening after Fringe has finished in the city, um, I don't know what's happening in other areas, but in the city of Quinana they've got a an offshoot called Oh My God, Fringe. Uh-huh. Um, and that's happening from the 18th to the 28th of February and they've got things like um, they've got a couple of um, magical performances. They've got comedy um, from Peter Rosethorn. Um, Is Peter Rosethorn doing a show with his daughter? Well, I'm assuming that it's his daughter. I don't know. 18-year-old Frankie? Yeah, I think it's his, his daughter, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, you, there's some ghost tours. That's kind of cool. Some circus acts. Um, comedy, uh, like I said. Um, and a couple of um, different cabaret-type performances. One of them is called Prohibition by the Sugar Blue Burlesque Group, mm. which is quite a well-known um, burlesque group here in Perth. Um, and WA All-Stars Variety Show, which is kind of a mixture of um, circus and comedy. So there's there's a few things on there as well, and they're relatively well-priced. So um, if you miss out on something in Fringe or you want to just keep it going, because why not? Um, yeah, you can go on to the uh, Quinana website to get a little bit more information, www.quinana.wa.gov.au slash oh my god with an exclamation mark at the end so if you're in that area there is stuff to see there too sounds awesome but but that is the good thing about fringe you know it's not all like once upon a time it used to just happen in northbridge but they've really branched out so there's stuff in Fremantle and north of the river and you know there's a lot of different areas so that you know if you find it difficult to get into the city or you know just a pain in the bum like I'm not a massive fan of going into the city um last year we went into Fremantle instead so there's there's lots of different places to go so I do love going to the city though I'm a I'm a, I'm a city kind of person, so. <laughs> uh, but uh, if you if you don't want to be a go out and uh, you know check out live performance kind of person, uh, there are options for you uh, at home as well. Uh, Kat and I got home from um, being out on. I think we went to Carousel. Went to Carousel. Had some dinner. Went up to Holy Moly. Had nice. some cocktails. Nice. And then did, you, did you shoot a few golf balls? We didn't. Uh, you just went to drink. We went to drink, yes. They've got They've got some fancy cocktails. Yeah. And they've got a nice little bar area up there and uh, it's got a nice little view and stuff like that. So, yes, we went and had a, had a drink there. Uh, but then we got home and we're like, oh, let's just watch some stuff. Let's put some stuff on and watch it. And um, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. And, uh, That's and, normally what I do when I want to watch stuff I yeah. put it on and, and then I put it on and then I watch it exactly exactly and uh, I just went to uh, Amazon uh, so Am- Amazon Prime I, mean, I haven't been to Amazon Prime for a while what's on Amazon Prime and there it was Kevin Smith Silent But Deadly now the the, 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 the you're making a face so I am because that to me 
is what you call smelly farts. Yeah, but uh, you, you clearly uh, I, I'm getting the, the, the reference because uh, our good mate Kev, uh, a few years back, had a massive heart attack and almost died. Oh, yeah, well, I knew that. Yeah. Yes. And oh, yeah, yeah. He, Widowmaker. Yeah, and uh, by, by all rights, the world will be a lesser place because Kevin Smith is, would no longer be in it. But fortunately... Uh, People were smart when you got to go to hospital, you got to go to hospital, you got to go to hospital. And then they took him to hospital and then they, they saved his life. And also the fact he is a you know, massive stoner, uh, it probably made him more relaxed and, and helped him not die as well, which is good. But, uh, PSA, smoke weed. Yeah. But the, uh, no, that's not a PSA. Don't listen to me. Yeah. But the interesting thing is, is that Kevin had the heart attack in between two stand-up comedy shows. And because most of the, the comedy, most of the, the Kevin Smith shows you see are him doing Q&A. Mm. And it, what, he, what he is doing is stand-up comedy. It's just that people are feeding him a question and then he just talks for half an hour about it. <laughs> Whereas here, it's uh, a show where he is literally doing stand-up comedy. And so he was doing two shows and this, this is the first show and then he had a heart attack after the show. So you're watching a man who is... As about soon as he goes off stage, about to have a heart attack. Crazy. And you just – he doesn't look like he's going to have a heart attack. He doesn't look sick. He doesn't look anything like that. And and so it's kind of a warning thing for people that, uh, you know, it just because you you don't seem like you're, you, you're having a heart attack, you possibly could be having a heart attack. That's crazy. So it's always good to take these things seriously. And, mm. and we're so glad that he did, uh, so glad that he's, like, done everything to – you know, make himself healthier and everything like that now uh, and just glad that we've still got Kevin Smith because I don't know about you but for me I get still a lot of content like from Kevin like I listen to him every single week I'm listening to several different shows he does so um, yeah it would be a, a much lesser world without Kevin Smith in it. Mm. Very cool. Hmm. Um, I haven't been watching much on the streaming services other than um, WandaVision, to be honest. Um, I've toned down my, my watching of things, been listening, trying to catch up on a few podcasts instead because there is a lot of them <laughs> that I haven't caught up on. Um, although I did watch on Netflix because, you know, I'm, I'm a crazy person, um, the Night Stalker short series, I think it was four episodes, on the, um, the Night Stalker who you know, kill people in California because oh. that's the sort of stuff that I watch and that gets suggested to me like, oh, you're a sick person. <laughs> How about this? Would you like to watch this? And I say, yes, yes, I am a sick person and I do want to watch that. But the interesting thing is, is the people I know who are into serial killer things, stuff. yeah, all women. Women seem to be really into the, the true crime stuff. Yeah, yeah. It, it is a very female-based thing and there is a couple of theories out there and one of them is that it is a self-protective thing that mm. we want to try to figure out what's going on so that we can possibly avoid being a victim. Fair enough, that makes sense. Um, I don't know because I think it's it's very subconscious. I don't think it's actually something we think about. I certainly don't think about why I got into it at all. Um, but, yeah, I did start getting into it um, in my teens, I remember Fred and Rose West. Do you remember them? Yes. House of Horrors. That mm -hmm. was the first thing that uh, I guess I shouldn't have seen on TV. And from that, I became like really obsessed and like would buy the magazines about serial killers. My mum's like, oh, that's a bit morbid. <laughs> Did you do a Jack the Ripper tour in London? No, I didn't. Oh. We just didn't have enough time. There was oh. too much... Um, 
Yeah, so too much to do in London. Yeah. We did, Kat and I did a Jack the Ripper tour in London. It was quite, it was quite good. Like, uh, but it's just funny because there's there's multiple Jack the Ripper tours going on. Mm. So you're like crossing over with these other people doing a tour and stuff like that. So because obviously all the, the places you're visiting are the same places everyone else is seeing. So yeah, but yeah, very. Uh, if you ever good, if we ever get the chance to go back to London, and I, I would recommend uh, checking it out because it's kind of weird and creepy. There is something about going to where they've been that I'm not into. (laughs) I have a friend that when we travelled together to America, she really wanted to visit the Lizzie Borden house and I just did not want to go at all, so we didn't and I think think she still would like to go. Uh, But you know who Lizzie Borden is? Something to do with the axe and whacking people? Yeah. um, There is a rhyme, something about killing her mum and then killing her dad Mm. with... 30, 30 wax or whatever um, and then she got off on the she got acquitted but everyone believes basically that she did it so I'm like I don't know that I really want to be at a house that that stuff has happened mm. I'm good <laughs> I'm I'm good to watch and read about it from a distance I don't need to be there mm. but um, things have changed a lot in London since the Jack the Ripper time so you know not quite as creepy but still, yeah. still creepy have you been you, have you been in a Fremantle prison um, a few times yeah. and I have gotten to the point where I've decided I don't want to go anymore because it, it creeps me out too much the interesting because I've been to, to Fremantle prison I've done the the day tour and also gone and done a night tour as well mm-hmm. uh, and in the night tour they, they throw in a few other like elements uh, into the into the tour but it, the weird thing is I didn't find the gallows like where they, they hung people creepy at all. No, me neither. But I did find the churches creepy as all hell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I found that area creepy and then um, I'll tell you off air another area that I found creepy. I don't really want to talk about it on air. Um, <laughs> it's a bit weird. But, yeah, I don't really want to go there again. I don't know, just yucky. Mm. Just yucky energy. What well, it is? It's it's got a, like you go in there and you just know that like you know those cells were just ridiculously small. Mm. Uh, and and uh, you know obviously people do crime and and they should do the time and get punished. But uh, yeah, I think the, uh, the the kind of punishment you got in those kind of places were just even worse. Just so so imposing and and just just horrible. Um, and the weird thing is, it's like you know they were still in use during our lifetimes as well, mm. which is just so bizarre. Yeah, they only got closed in the nineties or something like that. Yeah. After after yeah. a, a riot, mm. I, f- I forget exactly, but it was, yeah, in our times. But uh, I think I talked about this on another episode of this show, but um, Stan has a series called After the Night, which is about uh, the crimes of Edgar Allan Cook, mm-hmm. who um, in 1963 basically went on a killing spree in the uh, western suburbs um, on Australia Day. And a couple of people went down for his murders before he was finally caught and just crazy to think, you know, that was all happening in, in our town. What's he saying? He, some other people were convicted of his murder. Yeah, so there were two murders that he later um, admitted to um, that people went away for mm. and it took a very, very long time for those people to to get justice and to be released from jail. Um, yeah, so very, very interesting series and interesting because you know it all happened here and I called my mum after I finished watching it and I asked her if she remembered any of it but she would have been like nine or something when it happened and she said she doesn't remember anything Mm. apart from um, all of a sudden they went from being you know having unlocked doors at night to having every door locked and making sure everything was checked and you know 
Oh my yeah. god! I can't believe people would sleep with their doors unlocked. That's well, insane. it changed. Perth was a very different town back then. It's a very long time ago, and those things just didn't happen here until they did, and it changed the Perth landscape for forever. Mm. So um, that was a creepy but very interesting series. So. Yeah, I'm a weirdo. Okay. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Um, do we have anything else to discuss in the last minute of the show? Uh, well, I was going to talk about Cobra Kai, but I don't think we've got time to do that. Uh, so I will watch me- it. It's good. Yeah, watch it's good. <laughs> I will mention that um, there is a Nicolas Cage uh, TV show on Netflix, which is a really interesting uh, TV show, and it's about swearing. And I thought it was only going to be one episode where they just covered all the swear words, but they're doing uh, one swear word per episode. Uh, but the, uh, the, the the first one they did was the, the big one. Well, one of the big ones. Um, they did the F word uh, first, uh, and then they did the S word mm-hmm. second. Uh, and then I thought that surely they must be doing the C word, uh, but no, uh, in the no? in the, the I cannot see it in the series. It, oh no, no. So the the B word, uh, the, the 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 term for a a female dog, mm. is the next. There's a third one in line, and I was going, oh, that's not really a swear word, is it? It's like yeah, and so um. Yeah, very, uh, very interesting. But it's great. It's you know he is the perfect man to be doing a, a series about swear words. Does it have a feeling of drunk history? Not really, no, no, because no, it's they get a bunch of like they get comedians to talk about it. Yeah, they get uh, like people who are um, is it it's not linguists, is it? It's oh uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Is it linguists they get mm-hmm. linguists to talk about it, um, and they they get like you know, historians to talk about it, like the historical uh, you know uh, background of the word. Yeah, um, and the which is interesting because like you know when you talk about the F word and the S word, it's interesting where they came from and mm. and that sort of thing. Uh, so yeah, just it's. Yeah, it's educational. It's funny. It's entertaining. So yeah, I, I'd recommend it uh, if you want to, you know, see something a little bit different. You should uh, give give that one a crack. That just reminds me of that documentary we watched um, probably ten years ago now um, called the F word, uh, but I think it was just called F. Mm. And then the rest of the letters, which I won't spell out, um, but it interviewed all of those kind of people. But it also interviewed Kevin Smith and Billy Connolly. And do you remember seeing that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. Mm. Um, yeah, I've currently got the bird song stuck in my head now, <laughs> which I didn't know was a song until I um, saw that film. So there you go. Um, anyway, we're going to get out of here. We shall catch you next week. Bye. See you later. This podcast has been brought to you by the gentlemen of pop culture.